Welcome to the Metropolitan UMC Podcast. We are located at 3385 Metropolitan Church Road in Indian Head, Maryland. Our pastor is the Reverend Daryl K. Mason Sr. And now, today's podcast. Greetings, Metropolitan. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning for such a beautiful, beautiful recognition of our veterans? I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we give honor to the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and to God the Holy Spirit. For truly today is a day of worship and praise and thanksgiving. And so I would like to recognize and honor my good friend, Pastor Darrell Mason, for the invitation of coming here and to share on such an occasion of Veterans Recognition Day, uh, so well-deserved for those who have served and defended our country, uh, sacrificing so many things in life to be here and to recognize them today. I'd like to also recognize First Lady, Sister Michelle Mason today by her husband's side. And, you know, it's just a blessing to have my wife with me today. I'd like to acknowledge her today and good morning again. And for her to be here with me this morning. And to my daughter today, Christian, and my son-in-law-to-be in in July of next year, Michael. Uh, They came from Alexandria, Virginia. And then I was blessed today, they surprised me yesterday, uh, some good friends of mine, uh, Elder Randy uh, Pacheco and his wife Gina from uh, Columbus, Ohio, by way of Providence, Rhode Island. I served in the Navy with him and uh, Drew, uh, my good friend, uh, the Andrews, Drew and Jan, they're coming by way of Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana, and they traveled and I'm so glad and uh, I told him when I seen him last night, I was so surprised. I said, y'all touched my heart so much. You know, I have to preach tomorrow, <laughs> you know, but I loved them so much. And to have them here, uh, it means so much. And they both retired. And, you know, we recognize veterans. We recognize those that have served our country. And, you know, I want to recognize uh, the family of veterans. You know, I served in the Navy and We know the sacrifices that husbands and wives and even the children uh, have to, uh, you know, uh, endure uh, when family members are off serving their country on deployments and being away from home. And so, you know, I salute the family members, the children and the spouses of those veterans that have served our country with honor and dignity. And so I want to give you a hand this morning. Amen. Amen. Again, I bring greetings from uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, is where my wife and I reside. Um, And so uh, Mount Calvary is my church home. I serve as an associate there under the leadership of my pastor, Dr. William S. Hampton. And so it's such a privilege for you all to be back in the house of prayer. Um, There's churches down in our area who have yet yet not uh, opened the doors of the church yet. But thankfully, I believe things are getting better. Um, you know, with the vaccine and everything and just the precautions that people 
a doing and taking, and you all have done great in that, and being able to come back and fellowship in, in the house of prayer together. So I commend you uh, in your endeavors and being able to come back and fellowship uh, as the body of Christ. Amen. And I'm so pleased to hear, Brother Darrell, the things that you all are doing in the community and the feeding of, 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 of friends and neighbors throughout this area. And uh, what a wonderful thing to do, to be able to help somebody along the way. Amen. Amen. And we thank God for that. And um, again, I just thank my dear friend, uh, Pastor Mason, uh, Brother Darrell. We go way back. And when he extended this invitation, I was so honored to be uh, considered to come and to share with Metropolitan and, and his ministry and the church here, here in Maryland. So, Daryl, thank you, brother. Thank you. I deem it an honor. And so today, uh, with all things being said, uh, this message was, um, it really um, gave me an opportunity, Metropolitan, to reflect back over my naval career. Uh, and you are uh, recognizing your veterans. And, um, you know, it was emotional for me uh, in my preparation because, you know, the Lord just, you know, reminded me of so many things that uh, he had allowed me to experience and, ten, and also to witness, uh, you know, God and him working through me in the military. And so today I would like to... Um, lead you to the gospel of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and there is a, a story here of, of, of Jesus and those that wanted to follow him, and when you're there, Luke chapter 9, I will begin at verse 57, and if you are accustomed to standing, you may stand uh, for the reading of the word. And I will begin at verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first. Go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You may be seated. I'd like to use this morning for my, my thought uh, for this message Committed discipleship. Committed discipleship. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for this opportunity. Lord, for the privilege to be able to come and to share with Metropolitan. 
Lord God, we thank you for this hour, this moment, this time of worship, especially in such a time as this. Father, we don't take it for granted, the assembling of the saints, Lord, but we come with purpose in our heart to worship you and to give you glory and praise. And so, God, I pray now that you would allow me as an instrument of your will, Lord God, to preach and to be able to share this good news and to be able to encourage someone's heart to continue on pressing on, O oh God, and thanking you for the opportunity to be a part of this Christian journey. We love you, Lord. We thank you, and we commit it all into your hands, and we ask this now in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Committed discipleship. Metropolitan in Luke's gospel, we find that Jesus' ministry, he's heading towards Jerusalem, to the road, to the cross, to present himself as the Messiah with his emphasis on teaching his disciples prior to his arrival. Jesus takes the opportunity in teaching his disciples that discipleship, it takes radical commitment. Luke introduces three men who wanted to join Jesus on his journey to Jerusalem. Three individuals who illustrates three main hindrances to wholehearted discipleship. Commitment is the state or the quality of being dedicated to a cause, an activity, an agreement, a pledge to do something in the future. Dedication, terms of devotion and allegiance as we had pledged our allegiance to the flag and also loyalty and faithfulness and fidelity. I remember when the military, Lord bless me, we all who have entered the service, uh, we had to uh, pledge the oath of enlistment. And then when I became a commissioned officer, I deemed it an honor when an enlisted man, man or woman would come to me and ask me, Mr. Rogers, would you honor me in rendering me the oath? And it's, these are the commitments, and we honor the veterans today. And this is one of the oaths that we took. And I never forgot this oath. And I would always tell them to raise their right hand, state their name, and if they wanted to swear or if they affirmed that they would affirm to support the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, and that they would bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that they would obey the orders of the President of the United States and the officers that were appointed over them according to regulations and the uniform code of military justice, so help me God. These are the commitments that we made, and many of you are familiar with this oath of enlistment, and there was an oath of a commission in it as well. But we had to take this oath, and it was an oath that we made before God in the presence of witnesses that we were making a commitment to serve our country. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Brothers and sisters, committed discipleship. A disciple is a relationship in relationship to Christianity, the disciple primarily refers to the dedicated followers of Jesus Christ. And I believe I'm in the midst of disciples uh, this morning. Amen. Amen. The term is found in the New Testament only in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. 
discipleship, the condition or the situation of being a disciple, a follower, or a student of some philosophy, uh, especially the following of Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad today that you are a disciple? Yes, we served our country and we had our ranks and positions within the military, but the greatest thing that we could ever do from my experiences is being a follower of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 And so we find, brothers and sisters, that in this uh, narrative in the Gospel of Luke that was recorded of these three men, the first man approached and wanted to follow Jesus anywhere and everywhere he would go. He did not even wait to be called, but impetuously offered himself. Jesus' response was that uh, a person desiring to follow him must give up what others consider necessities of life. Jesus had no home of his own. To the man's account, it's possible that he was impulsive in his actions. It appears this man was caught up in his emotions uh, as he witnessed the power of Jesus Christ. In the book of Luke, it was Jesus' ministry where he, it is recorded that he had fed the 5,000. It was also in Luke 9 where he went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. It was also in the book of Luke where he uh, was able to heal a young boy that had unclean spirits. So the notoriety of Christ was growing greater and greater prior to his journey into Jerusalem. And so this man, he saw the notoriety of him. He saw the power of Christ and he got caught up in the emotions and said, Lord, I'll follow you. But he acted, he acted anxiously. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we do that too in life. We'll get caught up in our emotions and we'll, be, we'll, we'll volunteer for something quick before we even think about it. You know what I'm saying? And we'll be involved in something and then we'll find ourselves because we were not fully, fully uh, invested in that which we wanted to do. We find ourselves being uh, half-hearted. But Jesus was saying, in effect, to the man, do you even know what you really mean and meaning that you want to follow me? It means forsaking uh, of the forsaking of the comforts and the convenience of life. The man did not count the cost. And one thing I learned in the military that we learned real quick, they said, don't volunteer for nothing. I didn't understand that at first because I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to grow. I wanted to be a part of my division. I wanted to make a contribution to, you know, the mission of the ships and things that I was on. But I learned early, they said, don't volunteer. Because the thing about the military, and you know it as well as I, those that volunteer and those that want to do the work, they tend to depend on them more than those that don't want to work. And before you know it, they'll burn you out, use you up, and kick you to the side and wait for the next one. It's sad, but it's true. And you will find yourself being involved, but not committed. You know, oftentimes I've even seen in the church we want to volunteer and we want to do a lot of things and we're spread out all over the place. But really, where's the commitment to what we are doing? And we'll find ourselves you know, coming, and then we'll find ourselves not coming, we'll find ourselves doing, and then we'll find ourselves not doing, and there will be an inconsistency in our uh, life and the things that we are doing within the body of Christ, because it, it is 
because of a lack of a commitment in those things that we are doing. But God is looking for committed disciples in the work of the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, the second man heard Christ's call to follow him. He was willing in a way, but there was something he wanted to do first. He wanted to go and to bury his father. Notice what he said, Lord, let me first go. In other words, Lord, me first. Uh, How many times have we considered ourselves first before others? He called Jesus by name. He said, Lord, recognizing his divinity, but actually he puts his own desires and his interests first. He was insincere in his desire to truly follow Christ. Jesus was making the point that proclaiming the kingdom of God was so important that he could not wait. A disciple of Jesus Christ must make a radical commitment. Brothers and sisters, there was nothing wrong with him going to bury the father. The scriptures doesn't really say if he had already died or was he sick and was soon to die. It doesn't say, but Jesus was trying to make a point that you got to set in order your priorities first. Are you sold out for Christ? You see, that's what Jesus was really looking for. Do you really understand what it means to follow me to Jerusalem? And he was trying to let them know. But Matthew said in 6.33, it says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Putting first things first. Sometimes we don't put first things first. Sometimes God is not first. Christ is not the center of our lives. You see, and a lot of times we'll put our job first, we'll put our careers first, we'll put our spouses first, we'll put our children first, we'll put our, uh, you know, hobbies and all these things that we desire to do in life. And we'll put these things first in life and now we're out of order, we're not really consistent in life and the things that we are doing. And you'll find out in life when you don't have Christ being first in your life, you'll become, you know, kind of all over the place in some way. You know what I mean? You'll be over here one minute. The next thing you'll be over here, you'll be doing something over there, and then you'll be doing this and everything. But Jesus was trying to explain to them that to follow me, that you have got to set your priorities straight and know who's first in your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. I know I'm amongst witnesses that have actually said, Lord, for God I live. And for God, I'm going to die. And you know, you know the relationship that you have with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Metropolitan today, the third man, the third man here says that um, uh, the third man resembled the first man in that he volunteered to follow Christ. He was like the second man in that he said, Lord, me first. He wanted to first say goodbye to his family. In itself, the request was not unreasonable. It was reasonable, yes, but even the common courtesies of life are wrong if we are to place ahead a complete obedience. He was indecisive in his desire to truly follow Christ. Brothers and sisters, I can say, and this is when it was emotional for me, when I began to look at these men and the three of them, and I found out this to be true, that this is strategic, talking about putting first things first in our life and on our journey as children of the Most High God and being a child of the King. It's hard to do something in life when we are wishy-washy or we are not 
confident and we're not uh, reassured in who we are in Christ. You know, when we are born again, we accept Jesus Christ. And most of the time, we are basically going about what other people have said. But then as you grow and as you wax strong in the spirit, you'll begin to get away from the milk and begin to eat meat. And then your testimony will begin to grow because you are exercise faith and you are walk by faith and not by sight. And you will experience God for yourself. And so it's so strategic in life to set first things first. Get things in order. Have a foundation. Come to church and want to have a desire to want to learn the word through Sunday school and Bible study. And to be able to go home and Pastor Hampton, one thing I loved about him in my early uh, walk with Christ, he taught that it was so essential to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To have your Bible, I was sharing with the brothers yesterday and how Pastor uh, introduced the Thompson Chain Study Bible that we went and purchased. I told him back then, I was a young man, I didn't make much money. I went to a Bible bookstore and the Bible was so expensive, I laid it, on, laid it away. I said, I want the Bible, but can I lay it away? And they said, yes, we'll take a down payment. And I paid on that Bible and I got that Bible to this day, but it was something that I treasured. To be able to have a Bible that when the pastor or ministers were preaching and the Lord would have me to underline and make notes in my Bible so that I could grow and perhaps go back to these things and refresh my memory in my growth on my journey and understanding and knowing God. Can you say amen? amen? Brothers and sisters, it's essential to get first things first. I would say Jesus told him once he had put his hands to the gospel plow He said that as a disciple that you can't look back. Otherwise, he was not fit for the kingdom of God. And you know, brothers and sisters, the enemy would always have you to go back to what we used to be. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes if you're on a farm and those that have plowed, if you look back, guess what? You'll be all over the place. And so I thank God that he had taught me not to look back. You know, I'm often in my journey like God will allow you like that rearview mirror in your car. When you're driving, you can't look back for so long because you're going to run into something. But I thank God for the rearview mirror. It gives you an opportunity just to reflect back for a moment, just to see what's behind you. But the focus is going forward. Amen. But the enemy would have you to look back, to go back in your life. And a lot of times if you look back in your life and if you stay back there too long, you'll find yourself going back. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to come in and try to get us to go back and look back and then to think on those things that we used to be. And then we'll be around people that knew us when we used to be. And then they'll be able to tell you how you used to be. Amen. Amen. But the devil is a liar. And I thank God that we can look forward and we can allow Jesus Christ to be first and foremost in our life. Because the truth be told, then you begin to have the victory in life. You become overcomers of the things of this world. Do I have a witness here this morning? Brothers and sisters, Christ must reign in our hearts without a rival. All other loves and all other loyalties must be secondary. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me daily. I can say this today as a testimony. In my naval career, I didn't want to stay in the Navy. I only wanted to come in the Navy, and I wanted to go in out of high school, travel and see the world, learn a trade possibly, and go back home. 
But you know what, brothers and sisters, I got saved along the way. You know, I was introduced to the gospel and the message of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and accepted Jesus in my heart, confessed my sins, and I was born again. And so now here I am in the military, contemplating, not wanting to stay in the Navy. But see, I had learned and I had grew enough to know that this life was no longer my life. You see, Jesus was the center of my heart. And I wanted to please God. I wanted him to be pleased that my, my light letting it shine before men, women, boys, and girls, that they would see the good works but giving God the glory. And so I had to go off and pray and ask God, Lord, what is thy will? Not my will, Lord, but what is your will for me in my life? Understanding that it was no longer my life, but now it was God's will for me. And God began to minister to me, and I was married at the time. I had finished four years, and I went to God and said, Lord, what would your will be for me? Denying myself, really seeking God and where he would lead and guide me. And the Lord reminded me of a scripture where he said that the harvest is plentiful, But the laborers are few. And I began to ask the Lord, Lord, you know I don't like to leave my family. I don't want to leave my children for six and seven months at a time. But God said, but the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I said, Lord, if it be thy will, Lord, I will go. But I said, Lord, all I ask of thee is that you would watch over my wife. Watch over my children protect them and provide for them while I'm out on the water doing your will being a witness on the ships and our God was true God kept me for 30 years my wife is a witness today God provided every step of the way I never received any negativity from the children and my wife struggling I thank God for Mount Carey the church family being there but brothers and sisters, my testimony, thinking about this and my decision to follow Christ, I put God first. And God began to make ways out of no way. I didn't worry about promotions because I knew promotions came from God. When I wanted the promotions, they didn't come. But when they came, it was a blessed time. It was perfect timing with God. I didn't, it didn't matter where God led me. Everywhere he wanted to lead me. He led me to Hawaii. I met the Andrews family. And I knew the Pacheco family before we left. And I met others along the way. But it was a faith journey. I asked God to take us and provide. And God, as a witness in my wife amongst so many others, that God provided a way. Made a way for us to find places to live and provided for our children every step of the way. And so, brothers and sisters, I can say today, I didn't go to work to please man. You see, when you put God first and you honor God and you deem to please God, God will bless you in whatever you put your hands to. Whatever you do in your life, God will allow it to prosper. Why? Because God wants the world to see in your life that you are a woman of God. You are a man of God. And that the world is looking on you and what do they see? They see the blessings of the Lord in your life. We are just witnesses to those. If you follow the Lord, the Lord will make a way. The Lord will provide and the Lord will bless you in all your endeavors in life. And so today, I give him glory and honor for the great things he has done for me. And not only to me, but he's done it for my wife and to my children. And that's why I was able to endure this this journey in the military. It's a tremendous sacrifice. 
And I'm on the ships today, and I'm still being a witness to sailors and Marines on board Navy ships. God still hasn't released me from that harvest. I've been doing it nine years after I retired. He still got me on the deck plates. And I was ready to retire after 30 years. And I know God can open doors when doors are closed. But I said, you know what? I got another testimony. I said I was in the Navy, was supposed to retire in December of 2012 and get a phone call out of the clear blue from a commander that I had worked for years ago and remembered me and reached out and extended a hand of grace to me for the job that I am in today. And I'm working a job on terminal leave. God made a way. I didn't even retire yet. And he said, come and walk through this door. Stay where I got you, where I need you on these deck plates of these Navy ships. And God has continued to do it all throughout my life. And I'm just a witness to you that when you put God first and you commit your ways unto him, God will perform miracles right before your eyes. Amen? Do I have a witness here today? Has God ever done anything for anybody in here? Has God ever made a way for you when you know it was nobody but the Lord that made a way? Oh, hallelujah. I know I have a witness here today. I know that God is faithful in the things that he has committed himself unto you and unto me. And that's why when we come into the church, we can come in with a heart of praise and thanksgiving because we know the Lord has brought us from a mighty long way. And so we give him praise for the great things he has done. Hallelujah. I get happy when I think about the goodness of the Lord because what he did for me, I didn't do it for myself. I don't have that strength. I don't have those abilities to make things come together and God makes things perfect because he's our God and we are his children. And he said, I'll hold no good thing from you. He honors your faithfulness. He honors your commitment. People often say when they ain't doing right and they're not committed, they'll say, well, God knows my heart. You know what? God does know your heart. God does. He knows your uncommitment. He knows your lack of faithfulness. Yes, he knows your heart. And these are the things that we shall stand and give an account for. So we must do better. God sits high and he looks. No, he knows the heart. And I'm glad he knows the heart. Because when I make the mistakes, he knows the intent of my heart is not to sin. But because I'm weak and I'm human and I'm born in the flesh. Mold and shaped in sin from my conception. But thanks be to God. He washes us white as snow. By the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I thank you Lord. Jesus was teaching Metropolitan. His followers that God's kingdom. It must be first. Matthew in 624 says. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one or love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, mean the riches of this world. And see, that's one of the tricks of the enemy. He wants, like I said, look back. He wants you to compromise. And, you know, especially in this pandemic, we haven't been together. And my prayer to the church was to the, to the babes in Christ. See, see, we're strong when we're together. See, we're in the number. But when we are separated and when we are alone, these are the times that we get weak. And we'll find ourselves going back and doing the things that are not pleasing unto God. And being around people that don't mean us no good. And then partaking in things that destroyed the earthly tabernacle. 
Amen. See, yeah, the church is changing. When it does open back up eventually, God is going to be on the move. You see, but there is a falling away. The truth be told, there is a falling away. Some have backslidden and have gone back out into the world. But Jesus said, I'm married to the backslider. I want to encourage the backslider to come back to Jesus. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father except through him. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. I tell you, brothers and sisters, in the book of James, it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I thank God today I've seen, I've seen this with my own eyes. See, God gave us the ability to be observers. You know, we hear a lot of things. But I see more things than I hear. Yeah. See, I hear a lot, but I see more, though. Because sometimes your words are not your actions. And so you could boast and say a lot, but are you actually living what you profess? You see what I mean? That's what people bear witness to. Not what we... We, what, what we say, but they look at your life. When you're going through hardships and trials and tribulations and they want to see, can you endure? Can you still stay committed? Can you still stay focused on the things that are at hand? That truly I am a son of God. I'm a, I'm a daughter of God. These are the things that people are watching. And oftentimes people will begin to envy the favor that God has in your life. But I found out that, uh, you know, God's favor is God's favor. God, people don't know what you do behind closed doors in your secret closet. Praying for those that despise you and speak evil against you. And yet you're able, because of the love of God in your heart, as a testimony, that you can forgive your enemies. That, that ain't the power of God. Tell me. When you can forgive in your heart when you've been hurt and things have been said about you and lies have been told, but yet you can forgive your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the love of God that dwells within. Can you say amen? amen. Brothers and sisters, Joshua said this, and I love this. Joshua 24 and 15. When Joshua took the rain after Moses had passed away and the Israelites they were looking at and worshiping the gods in Egypt and the Amorites and things like that. But Joshua told them like this. He said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. He told them, you got to make this decision. Not your wife, your father, your children, your friend, your neighbor. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, Joshua said, I will serve the Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, Metropolitan, I made this declaration in my life I made it for myself not for my wife even though she got saved before me but when I got saved I had to make it for myself and when I made this declaration to make a declaration I will serve the Lord my heart is fixed and my mind is made up are you at a place in your life where you can say my heart is fixed and my mind is made up nothing you can say nothing you can do can change my heart and mind I'm sold out for the cause of Christ, because I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to do that which is pleasing to God. And when I don't and I fall short, Lord, forgive me. Help me, God, to do better, especially when I recognize the error of my ways, things I've done and things that went undone, Pastor Mason. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, to make a declaration to God and put God first is a powerful witness to this world. Yeah, the world is in despair. In my deepest, the deepest of sufferings of my life. 
And I know there are others that have far more deeper sufferings than me. I won't complain. But I can tell you this, the Lord was right with me all the way through. I've been through storms. I'm talking real storms on Navy ships at sea. Ship being tossed all over the place. It's only by the grace of God that God would keep us in those roaring seas. Because we wasn't made to live on water. That ship was my life support. And I was thinking, God, Lord, help us. And you know when it's bad when they're on the bridge and they're trying to maintain it. They just say, steady as she go. Because they don't even have control. Amen. But we know who's in control. Who sits high and look low. God sees you. Never think that you're alone. God sees everything you feel. Everything that you have to go through. God knows. And that's why you can call Abba Father. God hear my, hear my humble cry. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters moving right along. I want to leave you with these three points that were that were um, that reaffirmed my commitment uh, in discipleship. And there are so many more, but I want to leave you with these. Uh, the first one is the character of discipline. Discipline, and we all are members of the armed services, and we know and understand discipline, right? But allow, it allows us to be corrected by God so we can learn and grow and not become uh, conceited or to go astray. Let us learn from our mistakes, yet it combines self-control with determination in order to give us confidence when we can hold to self-control and we learn and grow even through hardship and sufferings. It is not allowing ourselves to be distracted no matter what. Leaning and lining ourselves up with his goals and exceedings uh, and excelling towards his glory. Brothers and sisters, are you pressing toward the mark? See, when you wake up every day, do you have a goal in your heart that, Lord, I'm going to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in God? These are the things that we want to do. And so I say this, and, and, and being disciplined. Discipline is, is one of those things. I remember when I would get disciplined growing up as a child, my father, I thanked him for that. I thanked him as a grown man for the discipline. It hurt. It hurt. But I thanked him because growing up in the Bronx, most children that I was associated with, they didn't get discipline. And so they were out in the streets at a very young age doing whatever they wanted to do. And most of them, the sad commentary to this story is that most of them are dead or even in prison. I did 30 years in the Navy and most of my friends growing up, uh, they were coming home from doing 25 and 30 years in prison. So I thank my father for the discipline, but then God blessed me to have children. And I saw what it took when my father and mother said, this is going to hurt me to have to do what I have to do. I realized what they meant when my children, when it took me, when I had to discipline them and the things that I had to do and punishment and things like that. And, you know, withholding things from them to teach them right and wrong. But discipline is so important. And, and some families don't get it growing up. Children, you see them out in the streets and they're part of gangs now. They don't want to wear their clothes with respect hanging off them. And, and a lot of them have never been taught. And that's why the church, we have to have patience yeah. with children because they may not have been raised the way you have been raised. They may not have been taught right from wrong. Maybe all they know is wrong. And so we have to be patient and, and, and we, have to, we have to reach out to them and, and with loving kindness. To teach them right and teach them wrong. That's why it's vital in the church. Like I said, children see more of what we see. 
And my children have come to me, and children in Sunday school have talked to me and my wife and brought up things in the church, and I'd be like, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, because they see the way we act and see the way we talk and to see the way we treat one another. The children see that. Amen. Amen. So discipline is so important. Uh, the next one I want to leave you with is the character of loyalty. Is remaining committed to those whom God has brought into your lives and has called us to serve. Even in times of difficulty, it is developed, developing an allegiance and respect in one another. Being loyal exhibits our commitment to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember I said about putting things first? Living for Christ, there must be loyalty. You have to have loyalty. I was in the military. My loyalty was God first. So whoever I worked for, my loyalty was to God. So regardless of how they felt about me, whether they liked me or didn't like me, no matter what I was able to do when I was putting my best foot forward, trying to do my very best, and it was still unacceptable, but see, it never crushed me because I knew my focus was on my loyalty to God first. And my loyalty to God kept me focused and it didn't deter me where I would be feeling and second-guessing myself about am I really that bad? Am I, am I not meeting the, am I not measuring up to what they want me to be? Amen. No, I'm here to serve God. And when I heard people say things like, uh, well, she didn't impress me. Uh, he didn't impress me. And I'm saying to myself, who are you to talk about, especially men and women in leadership, want to talk about other people and talk about, well, they didn't impress me. And I used to say to myself and shake my head, who do they just think they are? Amen. It's sad when you get to a place when you want to judge people all the time and you want to be critical and you want to be condemning all the time. Have you ever worked for somebody like that? Always critical, always condemning, always talking negativity. Amen. But I thank God I serve a God who's a God of love. Amen. A God of compassion. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so, brothers and sisters, in this loyalty, Hebrews 10, 23, and 25, it says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, right? For he is faithful that promised, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exalting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I commend you, Metropolitan. You guys are still united and you're coming back to church and so many of you are watching this via social media but being connected means everything do you feel the spirit of god when we come together in the house of worship you know what i mean when i come to church i come with purpose see i've traveled the world i've been places and i've seen uh christians that have been under uh, persecution they can't carry their bibles in the middle east but god is reaching them And they're able to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, but they have to do it in secrecy. And I met these Christians along the way. And they don't take coming to church for granted. When they come together, they come together with purpose. And they come together with meaning because they don't take it for granted. But in the United States, the truth be told, if you've been doing this most of your life, you'll find yourself getting complacent. Because you lose sight of the value of the freedom to be able to worship God in liberty and in truth. And so, brothers and sisters, I say to this, I commend you for sticking together and being together. And the last one, this is here, the character of obedience. 
This is the ability to follow the instructions. Amen. One of the ways I have learned to stay consistent in my faith uh, is to trust God's word and to follow his instructions. It is so critical to be able to follow instructions and to be obedient. Submitting to what God requires of us, the character and the motivation, it motivates us to keep seeking the Lord and cleaving to him. Regardless of the circumstances, so we can be able to keep his precepts and faithful to his cause. John 14 and 15 says, if you love me, if you love me, God said, he said, then obey my commandments. That's when God really knows that you love him because it's easy to say, I love you, Lord. But it's another thing to mean it and to live it and then to uh, 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 demonstrate it to others in in your life. Brothers and sisters, I want to just say to you today, is your testimony alive and well? See, is your testimony alive and well today? And when I talked about discipline, when I talked about loyalty and obedience, right? But you know what, brothers and sisters, that is what really uh, uh, was the foundation of my sacrifices. Amen? Because to serve in the military, you got to make some sacrifices. You got to sacrifice leaving your family. You got to sacrifice going and taking orders where it may not be uh, comfortable for you and your family. You got to make sacrifices to stand duty, and you got to make sacrifices to do all these things. But, brothers and sisters, when God taught me because of my commitment, these things helped me to fortify my commitment because I made a commitment to God. I made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And in making that commitment, see, remember what I said, you got to put first things first. When I made that commitment to God, it allowed me to make a commitment to my wife. My wife to be the husband that she would have me to be. It also allowed me to make a commitment to my children. When I would gather them together before deployment and say, listen, I love you all. I don't want to leave you, but because of my commitment, I have to go. But please, y'all work together and support your mom. And God will provide. And I would pray with them before I would leave, heading out, going to sea. And it also made me to have a commitment to my job. You know what I'm saying? To work in the military. It allowed me to commit to those things and then to commit to the church and the things that God has called me to do to have the privilege to be looked out among and to become a deacon and became a servant and then God allowed me to get called to now share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you made this commitment to, com- to be a committed disciple today? And the truth be told, sometime we, f- we go astray and we'll find ourselves becoming uncommitted. And God was ministering to me in my study. And he said, can God count on you? Can God count on you in the work of the ministry, in the edification of the body of Christ? Can God trust you with the gifts that is he imparted in you as a Christian? Can you work the ministry and be effective in allowing the church to grow? Are you... Uh, trusted by God to be a husband in your home and a, a, a wife to your husband and a mother to your children. Can God trust you with the things that he has committed you to and with today? That is the question of committed in discipleship. 
But I thank God today in all the sacrifices that I've had to make and so many that you have made along the way. But I thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. See, all this that I've said today, it wouldn't be possible if it had not been for the Lord on our side. See, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. People wanted to follow him because he had done great and mighty works and wonders and miracles along the way. He proved himself that he was the son of God, Pastor Mason. And people wanted to follow him, but not all were committed to follow him all the way to the cross. But I'm so glad today that I could come to Metropolitan and say that I am in the witness of so many others. I'm glad today that Jesus went all the way to the cross. Jesus was committed all the way to the cross of Calvary. Yes, he had the power to not have to be crucified on a cross. Yes, he had the power not to lay down his life. But yet, and still, Metropolitan, he did. But he did it for me, and he did it for you. Aren't you glad about it today? Out of all the things that we committed to and sacrificed, but the ultimate sacrifice was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And sometimes when I get off to myself, tears roll down my eyes when I think about the goodness of God and his love that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So Metropolitan, when I'm going through, even in my journey with Christ, being by my side, but you know what? He never leaves me nor forsakes me. Right? He's right there with me all the way through. He comforts me when I'm hurting and when I'm sad and when I'm lonely and when I'm depressed and when I'm going through different things in my life. But yet he is ever with us. And then to know this and then I'm done. To know that when this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we got another building not made with hands. But it's eternal. No matter what happens in this world, I know I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I know that when I lay down this earthly tabernacle that death has no sting. Neither does the grave have the victory. And that's why we can walk around with the love of God in our hearts. Praising God in the midst of all that's going on in this time of the COVID right now. But so many are depressed and so many are lonely. So many are dealing with anxiety just being cooped up and all the things that come with living in this world. But I'm so glad today that I come to encourage a church body today. You just keep on pressing on. You see what I'm saying? Keep on pressing on. Keep holding on to God's unchanging hand. Because one day, one day, by and by, he said there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more pain. And I tell you the truth, brothers and sisters, I want to see what the end is going to be. I want to see. Do you want to see what the end is going to be today? Oh, you ought to be encouraged today to know that God, he's, if he's for you, he's more than the whole role against you. And so I thank God today to be able to come and to talk about committed discipleship. And the truth be told, we all have room for improvement, Pastor. We, we just have room for improvement to grow. But when you set your hearts and your desires on God, God will honor that. And he'll make a way and open doors because whatever you do in life, God wants you to prosper. Because he wants others to see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. What a witness. What a witness today. Can we give the Lord a hand clap today for the witness that we have within ourselves? And perhaps you're here today. I'm passing through. But I come today. And I wanted to share a word with you today to encourage your hearts to stay the course. And in some ways, if you have felt like you have 
you know, fall, you fell back in a way and you're not giving the Lord your best. You know, the one thing I love about God is that sometimes when we fall back, sometimes we even turn away. But I shared with you earlier, Jesus said that I'll leave the 99 and I'm going to come back after that one. That's how much God loves us. That even when we fall back and we forsake the assembling of saints, God said, I'm married to the backslider. You know, the backslider experience is a humbling experience. And if you ever have backslidden and had to come back and recommit your life, it is a powerful, powerful witness. Sometimes it takes that in some lives to taste the goodness of the Lord and then to fall back for whatever reason and to recognize that this is not for me because I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. And perhaps you're here today, the Spirit of God is touching your heart and you say, I want to recommit my life. I want to do better for God. And if you're here today and you said, I want to come and I just want to rededicate my life. I want to get back where God would have me to be. I bid you to come. The Lord is here and the Lord will accept you just as you are. And I know it takes courage to get up because I had to get up one day. But I recognized within myself because the truth be told, God did know my heart. And I knew, I knew, I knew I needed to do better. And I needed the forgiveness of the Lord. And I just wanted God to receive me, to be his child. If you're here today and you feel that you want to rededicate your life, let the preacher guide you. Amen, if you're here. Is there one? Perhaps you may have never accepted Christ. And the things that I've said and the things that I've read today, and you say, you know what, the truth be told, I have no commitment. I'm just living, and the truth is, I'm just existing. I'm going about doing this, I'm going about doing that. The truth is, I'm going in circles, and I'm not going nowhere. But the question is, you're going to leave here one day because this is not your home, but where will you spend eternity? But I'm here today to help you with the help of God to guide you to saving grace. Whosoever will, let them come. Is there one today that wants to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Is there one? Is there one? Amen. Amen. Well, hopefully we're all saved. Amen. That's the truth, right? We want to be, we want to be in the everlasting arms of the Lord. And so today, I just want to thank you again, Metropolitan, for this privilege to come and to share with you on this Veterans Recognition Day. God bless you, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's give it up again for Reverend Danny Rogers. Amen. And amen. 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 We thank him so much for sharing that powerful, powerful, powerful message. It's certainly important that we are committed. So you've heard the message and we've had the invitation. So now we want to have our altar call. So as the praise team comes at this time, I would ask that you would just center yourselves as we go to the throne of grace. And while the praise team is coming, I want to go to our prayer list. 
We ask that you would lift up the following people in prayer. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church and ministries, please visit us at www.metroumcindianhead.com. Until next time, peace and blessings.